Joe Nancy Cox, and we were dating for three years and married for almost 43. <laughs> This is my wife, Jen, and we just, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, we just celebrated uh, two years of marriage in October. <laughs> and uh, we, we've been together for uh, a little over five years. So. Wonderful. So I think what we just concluded is that we're going to let the veterans share this entire panel because you guys have got yeah. four decades in the game, so we're going to give you all the mics. Okay, so let's, let's, let's talk about this, because I think a lot of times when we, when we look at um, relationships and, and as we're beginning that, that dating process, it's like, how, how do you know that this, is the, this person is the one? Like that, that, that special moment when you feel like, okay, like, this, this person is the one. Like, I could, I, could, I could see myself spending the rest of my life with them. I, I want to start with you, you guys, Nate and, and Jen. Tell me, like, when did you know that, that each other was the one? Uh, it's funny, Jen asked me this uh, not too long ago, I think you asked me this, and because uh, we were talking about the whole like love at first sight, you know what I mean, that whole cliche, uh, throw up in your mouth type thing, so, um, not because of her, but, but no, but seriously, uh, and I said, well, I knew like pretty much right off the bat, I was like, yeah, this is the person I'm going to marry, I knew that, but I didn't have confirmation of that until... Uh, it was a season of prayer and fasting. We were doing the 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. And going into it, I was like, all right, God, I want to pull the trigger, but I need your blessing on this first. And so that's when God confirmed it to me. So, um, And then two months later, I proposed to her. So that's kind of how it was for me. What about you? <laughs> Speak for me. So when we started dating, I started with a lot of Sure. <laughs> 
you know, everybody talks about impacts, impact situations. I can't say anything about I was just crazy over in love with her. I love the way she looked, and I love the way she made me feel. But in the end, you know, we dated for a couple of years, and in the third year, and I actually was not in a hurry to get married. I just enjoyed being with her. Uh, and I think that, that almost ruined it, because <laughs> of my attitude. But, uh, you know, when uh, you, um, we did like to talk, we loved to take walks, and the art fair was about being with her and, and recognizing that she wanted to do that. So I wanted to share the things she wanted to share, and she would do the things I wanted to do. Uh, I think we went to see the very first Star Wars movie in the big theater, that's how we So anyway, but it, you know, it comes down to, uh, we even kind of separated after two and a half years saying maybe we want to date other people, and you know the lesson of that was, there was nobody else I wanted to be with. And so I think that's, uh, my next door neighbor, I was good friends with, said, can you see your life without her? And um, I said, no. He said, well, that's a good sign. Um, whoa, it's kind of loud, sorry. So, um, what I love, <laughs> Tark's from Trinidad, can you guys hear his accent? <laughs> so good. So, I, I always make a joke, when, he, when I first met him, he had just gotten to the States, not too long, and so his accent was super thick. So, I, most of the time, I could not understand what he was saying, but his voice was like so soothing. <laughs> together for the first time, so like we were just learning everything about ourselves, about God, and honestly had never even seen what a healthy marriage looked like, and so we had both been in very dysfunctional relationships because we just thought that was normal, that's all we had seen growing up, and so I think it took us a while, and I was really scared to get married just because I had been hurt so many times, and just I just didn't want to make the wrong decision because I finally knew God, and I was like, he has to be this man of God, and I need to make sure that he's the right one, but... I think it's a lot of what everybody else said is, um, I, I just, I had the peace of God. He accepted me. We were very compatible. I, I didn't I didn't want to have my life without him in it. And we just had a friendship that was real. And we had the same goals, like in serving God and moving forward and wanting to build a family that we didn't get to grow up in. I think so some of that helped. But there wasn't like this moment of, I know he's the one. Yeah. Nice. Okay. I, uh, so, you know, as you can tell, we're... We didn't have a lot of similarities to say. You know, she was from the opposites, complete opposites. She's from the mountains, Colorado. I'm from the Caribbean islands. So, you know, so polar opposites. However, it was, we were just attracted to each other. We had this genuine affection for each other. And we dated for five years. But I would say, from my, from my perspective, from my side, I had some really good friends that, were, that I walked with at church, Pastor James and uh, Brad and Lee. And they, they challenged me after a while. We dated for five years and we'd come and serve at church and all this kind of stuff. And after a while, he's like, one of my buddies was like, Tariq, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean, what I'm doing? He said, no, think about your future. Think about what you want to do. Think about, you thought about marriage. No. That was the Navy. I just got on the Navy. I actually had no plans for that. But after that, that started, you know, these friends, I could trust them. And they actually challenged me to think about it. And after that, I started to think about it, and I prayed about it, and God slowly, he gave me that peace 
about marriage. Again, we didn't have an, a good example of a healthy, strong marriage around us. Church friends we did. We didn't have a good example there to look at, but after that season of just prayer and thinking about my future and thinking about what it would be like with Lisa and without Lisa, it was clear. This was the next step for us. So. Yeah, I, think, um, I disagree with what he said earlier. So Keith and I were in the, when I met him, we were in the ninth grade, and I was in the typing class, and literally in the typing class, there were cubicles. But in the cubicle, you can't see the people on the left side of you or the right. You can only see him who's directly in front of me. So it was very awkward when you did that down. <laughs> <laughs> so Thank <laughs> you. 
honestly, I think kind of like the, the theme is we, we didn't have like a, a great model. Like my, my biological father left when I was four, but my stepfather came in when I was around 10, and he was a great example. But but for me, there was like no big, there wasn't a lot of discussion around around marriage. So, so having been in relationships that were broken and flawed and all those things, you're just trying to look for someone that you can that you can be yourself with. Because unfortunately, a lot of times you're like you're you're constantly. It's like if you if you if you're connected to the wrong person, it's like you're in a nonstop job interview where you just got to constantly be on. You got to have your professional voice on, and, and it takes on different forms. But what I found with Megan, because we started off as friends. We we bypassed all of that, so she she knew every she knew every part of it. She knew the the the, the, the happy side, the frustrated side, when things were good side. And so I didn't have to keep anything hidden. Um, and so that was the first time I'd ever been in a, in a relationship where I didn't have to like sweep anything under the rug or hope that there was a version of me that she didn't run into. And, and here's how that benefited us even in our marriage because this is this is what I, I found for us. Um, it's inevitable that that though we we walk by faith and, and we and we're we're just surrounded by grace. There will be moments where even as you're in your faith walk, that your past version of yourself will be in the flash. And what ends up happening with a lot of couples, when they meet each other and they only know the polished version of one another, that when that old version flashes, they freak out. Like, okay, I, I didn't sign up for this. I don't even know who you are. This, maybe I need to kind of come up with an escape strategy. But the thing is that even my most broken part, she was familiar with so that even when it came up, there was this endorse that was already built in because she saw me mature from that instead of seeing a polished version from me, and, and that was it. But I think for, for me, when, when I knew that um, when I knew that she was the one, it, it, it was like, okay, yeah, we're compatible, we're getting along, everything is great. But it was like, how do, how do you handle how do you handle suffering? Because I think even, this was before I was even like biblically minded, but you know, Jesus makes this statement of like, if you can suffer with me, then you can reign with me. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, my, I was raised in a Christian household, that thought always came to my mind. So I would often think about those seasons where, where maybe the paycheck wasn't as good, but yet she was still riding with me. I mean, like, no, she can suffer with me, so she's going to reign with me. Like, so I would just constantly think through that anybody can pick you when you're on the top of the mountain. Anybody can fall in love with you when everything is going good. But if she can grind it out with me when I got in my car accident and I had to stop working for almost two years and it was the only income and she was the one that was providing and, and I had to go through all that stuff, that's when I knew, okay, this this is the woman that I can see me spend the rest of my life with. And so fortunately for us, we had our dating relationship, but then when God came into it, he radically saved both of us at the same time. And there was no strategy for that. Like we didn't we didn't say like, hey, we're gonna go to church and we're gonna surrender our life to God. Like it was like we went to church, and then there was an altar call, and we were on completely different sides of the, of, of, the, of the service. And I found myself being drawn to the altar call. Megan found herself drawn to the altar call, and God grabbed a hold of both of us. And it was like we knew then, like when I, I remember coming out of like that, that, that Holy Spirit fog and looking over and seeing her, not even realizing that she had surrendered her life in the same way that I had. It's the first time that I had felt um, the oppression of the Holy Spirit say to me, this is the woman that I'm calling you to. It was very clear. Like, it wasn't much of like God said, this is the woman that I'm calling you to, and it is your responsibility to steward this relationship above all else. Like, as a new Christian, that being the first thing that I heard, it built in me this, um, this discipline of survival. Because the truth is, when we did get saved, I don't know if we were like 20. Yeah, we were. They were like 20. So, so as we would go through these seasons of growing things, it's, 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 it's only natural that you'll hit these moments where we're not on the same page anymore. So the escape strategy can ultimately be a default when that's what you've seen models to you. But I remember there will be moments where I'm like, man, like, and honestly, praying like, God, we're just not on the same page. Like, things aren't working out. Like, maybe, maybe she's not the one. And God's like, no, remember what I told you. 
This is the woman that I've called you to, and it's your responsibility to steward this relationship. So if you need to go back and apologize, whatever you need to do, humble yourself. So what God did for me is that when he spoke to me about us, is I created an altar. It was the first time I understood in the Old Testament when he created an altar for the of God. And that has helped us survive because we've gone through highs and we've gone through lows. And whenever the enemy has showed up, that voice has always rose up beside him saying, but remember, this is the woman that I've called you to. And your primary responsibility is to steward that relationship. So um, that's my long and drawn out way of saying, like, I knew it uh, from the day that we were in typing, but God confirmed it when we radically got saved. And, and, and we never, and we never, and we never looked back from then. So, so that was that. So, so let's, let's talk about this because now we have a, we have a lot of um, legacy and perspective. I know for, for Megan and I, we have, we have our, our three kids, 26 year old, two grandkids now, our daughters in the back, Caleb's at home, probably sleep. Like we got, we got that going on. You have your children, you guys have your children, and you guys, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, that's, Jen's like, no, don't you speak to them. <laughs> but, but as, as you know, like, okay, so now we've all got, like, these milestones in our relationships and our marriages. So things change. How do we keep love alive? How do, how do you keep that, that spark lit? Because things change, you got different responsibilities, you got mortgages and car payments and, and all those things that kind of interrupt. So how do you keep things moving forward? So what does that look like for all of us? So let's, let's just start with you guys, um, and, and then let's, let's just kind of work our way down. <laughs> well, Tark's got these shorts, these pom-pom shorts. things that we would try to do, but I think it all stemmed from 
because it's busy, because we work it's with Celebration Trip for a number of years, we've been there for 20 years, and so it's been busy, but understanding the rhythms of our lives and the rhythms of, of, of the seasons that we, we go through, knowing when to push, knowing when to, oh man, I'm, I'm tired. You know, she would know when I'm in a super busy schedule. She would uh, do things to, to, to bring us together and vice versa. So I think for us, it was just really understanding different seasons and adjusting our schedule, our lives, or everything to, to understand that. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I could go a while on this, so I'm going to really show my discipline. Um, when we got married, um, although she was raised in the church, and I remember uh, kind of the Holy Spirit, the altar call at age 12, that changed my life. I knew everything was different, but I didn't know Jesus. I did not know who Jesus was, and yet this moment when I joined this church, God entered my life in a big way. So when we got married, we really didn't have this uh, Jesus relationship the way he meant it to be. And so our first three years were kind of tumultuous, or maybe normal, I don't know, depending on how you look at it. Um, but three years in, you know, it was rough. And, um, but you know, God has a way. And I think one of the messages I want to say is, you know, you may know each other before you're married, but marriage is a covenant with God. And, and so that changes everything. I don't care how well you know a person, when that marriage, when you say I do, you just enter into a covenant with each other, right, with God. Yeah. And, and, and all of a sudden, God's interested in you two. And really, he wants to be a model of two becoming one and closer to him. And so I would say that those two years of tumultuous living were driving us closer to God. In fact, I would just describe my life in those first two years as a ladder, and I was trying to climb. I knew there was God. I was afraid there was a devil. And every day it felt like I was going up three stairs and down ten, you know, and it was just failing every single day. And when we, those campus crusaders came to live with us for a week, uh, they figured out about five seconds that we really didn't know who Jesus was. Uh, and we prayed that night. It was a dramatic turnaround for us. It changed everything. So I would say there's always seasons, you know, and again, this covenant changes everything. Uh, we always tell our, kid, tell our kids, three years, you don't know, you know, this marriage, you've got to give everything three years because in three years, it seems like you're starting to pick, you know, work things out. But there's seasons, the kids come, and we're in the season now where it was empty nesting, and then the kids came back. <laughs> <laughs> now there's empty nesting again. And, uh, and every season can be exciting because if you make God the center of your marriage, that'll keep your love alive. And if, if, I, look, if I love her, I have to love God. And I love God. God demands that I love her. Yeah. And you see this drawing together into a unity. And I don't mean to go too far on this, but... Um, secret to keeping the love alive is, uh, as the passion Bible puts it, letting the self-life die and the spirit life come to life. And, and it sounds like, of course you said it's in the Bible, but it's true. And um, I, I remember, uh, and this is the last item, I'm not going to be short, but real short story. We were trying, after we became no Lord, six months later, we've been trying to have a baby, and then there's one baby coming. And I remember, and she told the story just than I do, but I, did, I was an engineer and I was working every night, 16 hours a day, and I, I was consuming me, and I 
I remember I remember crying because she can't get pregnant. And you know, there came this moment in my life, I said, oh my gosh, if the woman I love can't get pregnant, and I didn't care, I'll be honest with you, she was crying because she couldn't get pregnant, and I didn't care if she did, okay? And I realized, I love her, she can't get pregnant, God, she, if she wants a baby, I want a baby. So I'm taking, and that's marriage, that's all the way down, yeah. you're taking interest, and you got interest here, and your individuals, but you know, everybody thinks, you know, the two shall become one is about sex or something, but it's not. It's about the two of you growing together in unity under the same interest. So you have to shed a lot of those interests. And she has to shed those interests. And we're going to come together. And actually, the only way to get home is, is to draw close to God. Because we both draw close to God, and you've got the same interest. Anyway, that night, that's the only time in my whole Christian career that I actually heard the audible voice of God say she is pregnant and is done. Wow. And she has her own side of the story. But the point is that I had to say, I love her, therefore I love what she wants. And I love what she wants. To keep it alive, um, uh, like you said, with children it's different. And we didn't have a lot of money, and we didn't have good babysitters, and we had four kids. So we had to be... <laughs> Okay, the kids are down. I'm going to lay a blanket down on the floor. And we're going to have a picnic and watch a movie. I mean, we had to be very creative. But you sold yourself short a little bit because you're, you're better than what you just said as far as your hearing. Because um, this past weekend, this is what happens in New York City. I fell and cut my head open and got stitches. And before I left, we went, I went up to see the children and the grands and uh, before I left, I had put a Valentine chalkboard, chalkboard uh, that underneath this pillow that said, I love you forever. You know, it was left over from Valentine, and I oh, just put it under his pillow. But when I got home, he had, um, have you seen these clear balloons that you put lights around? If you haven't, they're awesome. You know, all your boyfriends know. <laughs> said love when I came in. Well, it's those things, too, to keep your love alive, you know, that says, hey, I'm going to take the time, and I'm going to sacrifice. He left work, he, you know, and he went and he did this, and it took the time to go and do that, and he's always doing things, leaving a card or something. So we, we actively, you know, have a date night, making a date night, because it's hard when you have kids, it isn't anymore. Uh, but... Um, uh, you know, just finding things to do because we could grow old and get fat and, well, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> But I'm choosing not to do that. I'm choosing to, you know, okay, let's go here. Let's take a walk around the block or let's go to stupid Lake Wells and find teepees and see what they're like. <laughs> <laughs> You may think like two years in, uh, this question isn't relevant, but for us it's a little bit different because we do work together. And we actually met at work at a previous job, so 
I've just been following her around wherever she is. But I think that for us is is why it's a little bit more difficult because we have like this quote unquote professional relationship or our work relationship, you know what I mean? And we obviously have to be cordial and, and work together and, and you know uh, advance the church and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, like first of all, we're husband and wife. And so we always have to keep that in the forefront of our mind. Like first of all, like I am her husband, like not just her coworker. You know what I mean? So and, and that and that can the lines can get blurred a little bit and stuff. So you just have to be intentional about that stuff. And I think for me, uh, it's it's knowing the if you've ever done the five love languages thing, like that's a great resource, and I would strongly recommend that. Like it's knowing that about Jen, like quality time, you know, acts of service. Like okay, that's how I do that. Like if I give Jen a gift, like yeah, she likes it, but that's not her thing. You know what I mean? So um, so. Instead of going to play golf on Saturday with my friends, maybe spending time on Saturday with Jen. You know what I mean? So it's it's that type of stuff. Like it's truly knowing it's truly knowing your spouse. And and, and I believe like if you if you truly know your spouse, and everybody said it up here, but she and I say it all the time, like we're we're one. So if I'm not loving her, it's almost like I'm not loving myself at the same time. You get what I mean? So um, that's kind of how I look. always with each other all the time. So I think also making sure we, um, I call them like adventure days, like we decide to do something different. It could be once a month, it's not every week, we can't afford that. Um, but like once a month we'll go and say, okay, we're going to go to like a cactus farm, like let's do something new. And finding intentional things to do together that are new, um, I think always makes things exciting for us as well, since yeah. we're always with each other. I don't recommend the tape things. <laughs> Yes. Let me, let me, let me. <laughs> 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 
home, we spend time together, we have fun, uh, we'll laugh and joke, we'll spend time with our kids, but most of all, we've been finding like times to, like even like when we go out of town, because we go out of town and we're doing that for work as well, we're finding moments to extend it a little bit so that for Keith and I, we have our one-on-one -on -one time together because we do spend a lot of times with our kids. And so we're just finding those moments. We have our Disney passes. Sometimes we don't go with the kids and we'll just go with ourselves <laughs> <laughs> and do those kind of things. So it's just uh, it's movie day. Like Friday, we're like, hey, let's go, go to the movies. And it was just him and I. So we try to do, we have a lot of things in common, which was a blessing for us because we, we don't have a lot of resistance on. He likes to do this. I don't like to do that. Um, we like the same TV shows and we like the same things. So we have to find some <laughs> most. <laughs> most. <laughs> um, so that's what we have to do um, to keep the love alive. And I think for us, because our children are older, but we are, I mean, we're really a tight fit family. Like, like giving ourselves permission to leave them home. Like that, that's a, that was a big deal for us. Because like, you know, we'll be out sometimes, and like Megan will say like, should we get some pretty kids? And I'm like, no. Mary's <laughs> <laughs> in the back, she's just looking at like, I can't believe it. Like, I mean, when we were, when we were younger, and like, and like, you know, my, my oldest son would be there, and he would like to be watching the kids, like, we would like sneak off to McDonald's, and like, we sit in the parking lot, like, eating food, and it's like, man, like, I feel guilty, but we should get some pretty kids, but no, this is our moment. <laughs> now, I'll walk in with a Chick-fil-A bag, and there's nothing in it for them. Not all, it's, it's fine. Because I'm trying to listen. They're refrigerators small. Don't y'all judge me. But 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 really, but here's the thing. Find those small moments that are just for her and I. So if it is a small meal, if it is watching something on television, if it is um, just sitting on the back porch, whatever those things are, like those moments where it's like, okay, this is just this is just our time. Even if the kids are doing their own thing, but this is something that's for us, even amongst them, that has been huge for us. And and I think one of the things that that I, that's kind of emerged from a lot of the things we talk about is that it requires a great deal of intentionality. Yeah. Like it's, it's not something that just happens by accident. And, and I think, Megan, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because we had such a strong friendship, there have been seasons where we didn't do this well because we just, we just depended on our organic relationship to be the thing that would help move us forward. Yeah. But then when I found that there were moments where it's like, man, I feel like we're just buffering, we're not moving forward. Oh, we stopped being intentional. Yeah. We, we stopped, we stopped, we actually stopped making the decision. We just kind of expected yeah. it to work itself out. Yeah. But if you don't make the choice, you're not actually gonna begin to move forward. And so that was one of the things for us. And then the other thing that's really important is that remembering that love is a choice. Yeah. Like it is it is a choice. Um, and, and so when you look at the first Corinthians 13 and it kind of breaks up all the different things, and you look at the summary, at the end of the day, it's like, I have to choose to be kind. Yeah. I have to choose to be patient. Yeah. I have to choose to be long-suffering. Like these are choices. And so that was not something that you see in the movies. It's, it's like, Love somehow consumes you, takes you over, and then now you just are falling in love. You have no choice in it, and that we live happily ever after. They don't show you after the credits roll that you got to make a choice. That when they wake up in the morning and the makeup's not there, are you still there? When they when they're sick and you got to run to the store, are you still there? Like it's like pushing past all those things that look good on the surface and making that choice. So that's something that that we had to learn. Like okay. The feelings are going to go, but we have to choose to continue to make this forward. So that's one of the things for us. And then the other thing that's really helped us, and, and I think I think Nancy and Joe, you guys hit on it, but like keeping God at the center. Yeah. So I want, I want to talk about this for a moment because this is this is a real critical part of everything that we're saying. Like keeping God in it is massive. So let's talk a little bit about what part does your faith play 
in your relationship. Because I think sometimes we can we can segregate the two. We can kind of separate the, the, the God dynamic, and it's just kind of about us. But faith has been the only thing that has kind of sustained us in a very difficult season. So let's talk a little bit about, like, what, is, what does faith look like in the context of your marriage? How have you been able to lean on that when you didn't have, like, you didn't see the evidence on your, on your, from your view, but you had to depend on your faith to get through it? Me personally, my faith has been everything um, in, our, in our marriage. I, I think I mentioned in the beginning, you know, we just didn't have a good model, so we had a lot of trial and error and trying to figure it out as we went and getting advice. But I mean, just the the values in the kingdom of God and, and, and like what Joe said, it's a covenant. And so, I mean, we went through a very very difficult time in our marriage, probably about year eight. I think it was year seven or eight. And honestly, I did not think it was going to last. Like, I, I, if we didn't have kids at that time, I think that was the thing that was really making me fight for it more than ever is that we had kids. But there was no, um, there was, it was not based on any feelings between us. <laughs> That's the best way to say it. Yeah. But because we had not made that covenant with the Lord. And I knew just in, my, just in my walk with the Lord personally, there's so much that the Lord has taught me that I can't see with my eyes, but I know through the eyes of my heart. And just following when I don't understand what his word says, regardless of how I feel. So I have been matured in that in my own personal walk with God. But the same thing applies to our marriage. And um, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I have my faith because I trusted that God. I trusted that God would get us where we needed to be, even if the two of us together. I didn't. I had lost faith in us as people trying to get there on our own. I knew that God would get us there. I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. I knew that God would get us there. And that's what gave me the hope and the strength to hold on, just like in our own personal walk with God. But um, what was I going to say? I had a good thought just a second ago, and I just forgot it. But, um, yeah, just that. I, I'll, I'll think of it in a second. Did you want to add anything to that? I forgot what I was going to say on that. But, yeah, I think just the voice of the Holy Spirit, too, into everything that we've talked about. The Holy Spirit will check you on, on certain things, like if you're not being intentional or... Um, having grace, just like the Lord, you know, it's the same thing that we apply in our relationship with the Lord and one another, having grace for one another, not expecting each other to be perfect, or just because I need this, in the early years of our marriage, I expected him to fulfill all my needs, I wasn't, I wasn't relying on the Lord, like, he's just the icing on the cake and just a companion, but, like, I was looking to him to make me feel good, and that was so backwards, like, it was between me and God, so, I think I learned a lot through just my faith and my relationship with the Lord on that. It's the same thing, you know. As early as in our marriage, we, you know, we, we didn't we didn't know what was, what was coming, you know. Um, and we had some friends around, and I think one thing I would recommend to each one of you guys is to have a good circle of friends, not just care level relationships, but a couple that's older than you, that's more mature that you can look up to. Um, that's key. That's absolutely key. And so. Because we didn't, we didn't see what was coming ahead before we had kids, you know, when when those seasons of having kids hit, and all of a sudden you're dealing with uh, financial troubles and fin financial strain and stress and pressures and work, you know, uh, you had to rely on your faith. You had to. There's nowhere else to turn, you know. So we had to, to get disciplined to get into the scriptures and lean on Christ and. 
and, and see what this word says in this season of our lives. You know, there's a lot of opinions, there's a lot of, lot of TV shows, a lot of, of books out there, but at the end of the day, God gave you this spouse, this wife, or this husband, and he knows how to get you through that season to go to him. And I think it took, it took me a while to get there, to, to go into God. And then after a while, it, it, it came to a proactive step, a much more proactive step in going to God before things started happening. So, uh, going back to the question, how did my faith play into, into our relationship? It's, from the early years, it was just waiting for things to happen and learning how to go to God in certain seasons, and then being proactive in terms of, okay, having a good core of friends and relationships around me, and they'll tell, tell me things like, hey, now your kids are getting older, now this is happening, now you want to do this as a husband, this as a man, you want to start taking lead in certain things, and then going to God and, and, and asking Him, how do I navigate this, this season and so forth? So, that's what it was for me, surely. I mean, yeah, and, and sort of like a practical, um, like we'll, we'll transition to the faith here in a second, but like practically speaking, before Jen and I were on staff, we were you. Like we were just, a, we were team members, you know what I mean? Like Celebration Church was a godsend for us and we actually like recommitted our lives to Christ at Celebration Church and we started serving. And so what I'm basically trying to say is like we got, we were at square one and we listened to what our leaders were telling us to do basically. Like a lot of times we want to do oh, that sounds really good, and, and uh, that's a great, like, one-liner, but, like, we didn't have any other reference point. So, like, it was uh, the faith of, like, hey, I'm trusting that what you're saying is biblical and that, like, God has put you in my life to lead me for a reason, so I'm actually going to listen to what you have to say. You know what I mean? And, and that's everything from serving to, to groups. Like, groups were huge in our lives. Like, we didn't go to groups together, I went to a guy's group, she went to a, a girl's group, and, and the people that were in those groups, you know, you know what I mean? It's just being able to, to talk to them, kind of like what you were saying, like intentionally surrounding yourself with those people. And then now, practically speaking, like, there's only a couple things in the Bible that says will interfere with your prayers, and, and one of those is like how to treat your spouse. Yeah. And First Peter talks about like, you know, uh, that it's going to interfere God hearing your prayer. So that's another thing, too, like like how you're treating your spouse and, 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 and not not letting those other things, like, get in the way of that because I don't want my prayers to interfere with it. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how I do that. Okay. Um, so next question. Um, I think you guys answered it
dating, or going to get engaged soon, um, making sure God is the center of that relationship is what makes it so much stronger. Uh, we have we had really good mentors. Joe and I came to know the Lord personally together uh, before we had kids, but we had a saying, God first, family second, all our work third. And that's been our foundation. And as even in the Simbas uh, program, that's a program here we have at our church for couples getting ready to get married, we always tell them it's like a triangle. You keep God at the top of the triangle. You're at this end, he's at that end, and as you go close to God, and he's growing close to God, you're growing close together. I don't know how we would have ever, we have a good marriage, but I don't know how we would have ever done it if we didn't know to keep God first in our lives, so that we went and still going so through some very hard, hard things, not as just couples, but with children and all that that we know that we need to go to God and say, what is your direction? And even when I would want to really just disown him because of how he was thinking, you know, he used to make me mad when we would be in an argument and say, because I was a yeller, he wasn't. And, you know, I wanted to duke it out because I was in police administration, so, you know, yeah. uh-uh. <laughs> you should see the other guy. let's just quit. Let's go pray about it, and let's come back. And it used to make me so mad. <laughs> but actually, that's what we do now, and it's a lot easier. When we have a confrontation, we, we keep God at the center of it. You know, when we have trouble with us as individuals or as with friends or work or our children, we've learned just God has got to be the center of everything, you know, and, and and praying, and it says even in the scriptures where a husband and wife pray together, you know, there's power in that, you know. So we learn to pray together even when I didn't feel like it. You know, I learned to pray, so. It would take me 40 years to tell the story. <laughs> and by the way, I think uh, March 9th is our 40th Aww. year of serving the Lord. together 
in the same place, come to the same point of reference. For so long, I was ahead of her, and so long her spirituality was ahead of me. But there came a point where we got equalized, and now that's the adventure. So how would you like to describe your marriage as the greatest adventure that anybody's ever had? And that is found in those times together in prayer. And when we don't know how to pray, we say, Ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. It's what He says. Yeah. And you end up in places that you never thought. And I can't explain it to you except to say that if you want the adventure, pray for each other, but get on the same place and start praying together. And that means ask God. We were talking about that earlier. We're going to, but you can't, you know, you want to be before the Lord together. That means nothing's hidden between you. Okay? Because. So anyway, I'll stop there unless we go 39 more years. <laughs> So I think for, for us, there are a couple of things that, that was addressed that I, I want to talk about. So we, we talked a little bit about like confrontation, but I, I want to I circle back to that. Um, because there are, there are moments where like, okay, what is the appropriate rules of engagement? So with the previous question, we talked a little bit about like, okay, what part does, what part does our faith play in our relationships? Um, but I remember when there was this unhealthy way in which our faith let its way into our conversations, and I'll tell you how. Because I would weaponize the Bible to make sure that I would make my argument and shut her down. Just real talk, because I mean, I, I, I knew scriptures and things like that, and, and so I would like, she would say something like, hey, you know what? All liars will have their part in the lake of life. I mean, you're just, you're just, you're just randomly like quoting stuff. Like, I mean, and it, would, and it, would, it, would, be, it would be like just, 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 like, just like brutal. And so, so with all of this stuff, there's a lot of times where you know, we would have those those moments where you need to pray for your spouse and, and things like that, but it's like you're you're like you're praying that God changes them instead of actually like praying and asking God to come in and help you to navigate through confrontation. And so for Megan and I, like again, we didn't have like a, a healthy model on how to deal with conflict. It was just more so like you know she was from the inner city, I'm from a very urban context, so it it was like y'all know I have a. a rap background, so for me it was like battle rap. Like, it was like, when you say your line, I'll say my line. Like, we can do this all night, and I'll drop a scripture in there if I have to. Like, that was that was part of one of the things, and, and so we did everything wrong you can imagine in front of the kids. Like, it was it was awful, but, but God had to come in. So, so what are some healthy rules of engagement um, in, when it does come to conflict, when it does come to confrontation? One of the things that we, we didn't do, and there's highs and lows to it, we didn't shield our kids from it completely, um, and so I think there's times when we went too far, but I also, I'm grateful for the times that my kids are aware that this is what healthy conflict looks like now. But there are other times when we're like, oh, we don't ever want them to see us argue. But it's a part of us, and they need to learn how to handle conflict, because if they don't see us model how to handle conflict, when they're dealing with conflict, they don't see it. So, so let's talk a little bit about, like, how do, you, how do you handle conflict? How do you handle confrontation? What are the rules of engagement? Because I think you can probably help us, because we're still figuring that out. <laughs> The power of life and death is in the tongue. And so many of us will death. You know, and I think especially in the early marriage, we don't understand the rules. Um, words traumatize. And, um, and then what words do? Harsh words. Um, if I'm harsh to her, and then I, I come into another one to say I'm, I'm changed, and we're trying to change. But I used the same word, it triggers to the last conversation, and now I've already, she's got her defense up. I mean, words, you have to be so careful. And um, in this day and age when you can say anything, um, I would just say, 
love is a better way, right? And uh, what's interesting is when you quote in 1 Corinthians 13, did you, everybody goes through, well, love doesn't, you know, love is kind, but did you ever look at what love isn't? Love doesn't keep score. Yeah. Okay? And I'm trying to remember, I can't get, you know, be to get my phone out and start getting into that scripture, but go read everything love doesn't do. Point one. And number two, know that um, you said that when we were back, I can remember more in the 70s, or 1980, I guess, uh, the teaching going around it was, look, you don't have the right to take the log out of another person's, or splinter out of another yeah. person's eye until you take the log out of your own eye. And we don't have logs in our eyes. And if we were going to every confrontation is, hey, change me, God. And even if I'm like high ground right, and she's low ground wrong, I still got a, something in my eye called pride right there, okay, that I need to get rid of. So if you're going to the confrontation with the thing that I don't want to cause trauma, I want to get better. And getting better doesn't remember and it's my ultimate end because I'm not to prove that I'm right. And I know that sounds kind of like self-righteous or something, but it works. I totally lost what I was thinking, and it was good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, when we were younger, I would just blurt out to him what was bothering me. Didn't care how it bothered me. You know, didn't care what it was like at all. You know, and it would hurt him. You know, and he didn't like confrontation where I could handle it. You know, and then as I grew and I realized what it was doing, I realized that I needed to approach it in a different way. I'm so much better now than I was because I've learned that when something's really wrong and I need to tell him, I've learned to say, okay, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to prepare his heart and then open the door for me to talk to him. Now, keep in mind, I wasn't like that. I was called Hurricane Nancy. <laughs> and everything was torn alive. True story. You know, we have some children that are like that, too, because they saw us. We had a lot of things going on. But a, a lot of that came from our search, our circumstances in our home with my mother. And, you know, me just losing it. And so I would yell, and it wasn't right. So, I, I mean, if I could backtrack, I would take that back. I would shield them a little bit more. But then at other times, they needed to see a healthy confrontation with their mom and dad or with their grandmother. And so I've learned now... And just for all you young people and married people are pre-engaged or whatever, learn to say, okay, we're on the same team. You know, that's just how it is. But he's coming from a different family teaching. I'm coming from a different family teaching. And we're going to blend them together in what we believe. And instead of seeing, thinking he's confronting me in something, I could see that he's trying to better, better me in something. But then there's some things that are just wrong. And so instead of hurting him, it is much, much better to say, okay, Holy Spirit, I need to tell him, and I need you to open the door because I don't want to hurt him because he's on my team. Yeah. I love how you talk. Go ahead. You go first. Well, I was to finish. We were married for 43 years, and we took 46. The thing I just said sounded like we've always had it right. It's something we've grown into really in the last 10 years to really understand. And so I don't know how you translate that, but. Love doesn't cover a multitude of sins, change me. And I just want to make the point that we weren't perfect. Okay, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, and I think that's great where you, how you talked about you both came from different backgrounds and recognizing that there's different ways that you had learned how to handle confrontation and embracing that. And for us, we had to recognize um, that there are different ways or different times that you have to address conflict. So um, Keith is wired to want to address things in a moment. If I know that I'm upset and I don't want to say anything that's going to harm him, I'm like, you have to give me time. And that has worked better in knowing, okay, where is your spouse at this moment? Are we going to have the biggest blow up if we address this right now? Or do we take time and say, hey, at, at 10 or later when we settle down, can we talk about this? Because it was hard to, when he wanted to talk about it, but I was really upset and I wasn't going to communicate it in the proper way that wasn't going to be like yelling or anything like that and it was just combustible and so we had to learn each other like how do you process things and how do I process things and then we had to work together with what would work for us uh, and being able to address it later but the mistakes that we made along the way was then we wouldn't address it and so then when it came up again it was a bigger thing and you yeah. kept going in the same cycle doing the same thing over and over again, you brush it over, you, we do, yeah. let's talk about it later and not address it. And so then we had to work on, okay, how do we address this? But when you address it, it's the tone in it you receive it. So is it in a sarcastic tone? Is it in a yelling term? <laughs> and so learning the way that I receive, I can't receive in a sarcastic tone. I can't receive in a tone that's different. Um, I would like you to say it like. Megan. <laughs> <laughs> she literally tells me how I have to say, hey, so I have to like, hey, honey. Like, I would, I'm like, no, we're in the middle of an argument. Like, I, just, I just want to get my thought out. I just, I just want to get my thought out. But she like literally coaches me. I'm like, no, what do you have to say? Hey, babe. Um, I want to talk to you about something. I was thinking. I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just like, okay, so. For the sake of keeping the peace, we, we've, had, we've had to do that. So what do you guys do, and, and, and what's your rules of engagement when it comes to conflict? When it comes to conflict, for me, it's, and I love this, I mean, if I, if I was, if we were in a panel like this back in the day, we could bypass a lot of But what I would say now is, I think what I've, what I've learned is to think about the end in mind before going into a tough conversation or, or conflict, and I think about, I can't remember where I got it from. I think it was um, from Pastor Stobart talking this back in the day. But if this conversation or this topic or this issue I'm going to bring up, is this going to leave Lisa destroyed, defeated? Is it going to crush her? Think about the end of what was the outcome of this. And so what I would, we, what we would do, what I would do in that topic is think of, I want to think about how I want it to end. And then after a while, that would lead me back to a, a, a discussion with myself about, does this really, really matter? Is this really something that's this important, or is this something that's just bothering me? You know? Is it, is it my ego? Is it my habit that's bringing this up? That it's, it seems to be so destructive? And so what I've alluded to is also, you know what? Sleep on it sleep on it and bring it to the Lord and ask Him. I would ask Him, Lord, you know what, show me if this is something I really need to bring up with Lisa. And if it is, show me how to bring it up. And He, he, he shows me. 
you know, he'll, he'll set the moment, he'll set the time, and I will come with more of a humble posture of, because a lot of times, in a lot of these destructive conversations is, um, what I fail to realize is, Lisa just doesn't understand something that I see, you know, so it's out of, like, ignorance, it's out of, it's nothing malicious she's doing against me for us to have this conversation, she just doesn't know. She doesn't have the experience I have or the background. And when I think about that, it's like, oh, she, she just genuinely doesn't know. She doesn't see how this is affecting me, or she doesn't see. And that leads me back to, you know what? This is not that big of a deal, or I shouldn't, this shouldn't be tearing me up this much to bring this to her like this. You know what I'm saying? So I think about the end in mind, I, I, for guys, I think that's, that's a big thing for us men, is if we can take the time to think about, okay, if you want to bring up this big topic that you know it's a hot topic for her, whatever it is, you know, think about how you want to end that conversation, how you want it to be, to end. Because if you bring it up at night or whatever, and you know she's going to explode, it's going to be a long <laughs> And then when you get it wrong, you're And the other thing I would say too is, you know, if you're in that destructive, if, if, it's, if it's been combustible, if it has exploded, you know, I would say this for men, for guys, it took me a while to do this, is learn the art of saying you're sorry, and you just don't know, and I'm an idiot. Again, the goal is just to get back to a place of peace. You know, I mean, that's you. I'm 41 years old, man, I'll tell you what, it's... It took me years to figure out how to say I'm sorry quickly, you know. Now when you know, when you have a, a bad argument or something like that, it's like, hey babes, look, I'm so sorry. Yeah, you know, and I'll just keep on and on about it. So that's kind of like all rules rules of engagement, you know. Uh, very good. Tark is so good at conflict. I'm terrible. I'm like, I'm going to yell and scream, and you're going to know how to, you're going to be so sorry. <laughs> and he's like, well, let's say team. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm ready to fight. I just, I just got to get, I got a lot. I feel that. He's, 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 he's <laughs> my background of being in a very unhealthy relationships, I, I think that we tend to, especially if you didn't have a good model of what healthy looks like and you've just gotten used to dysfunctional relationships, you tend to minimize the toxicity, toxicity, am I saying that correctly, of your dating relationship and just remembering that like in, in conflict and like if, when you're dating, that's like the best foot forward. And I remember hearing that but you just, for whatever reason, allow, I mean, you should have boundaries. You should have healthy boundaries in terms of engagement. And so if somebody in a dating season is toxic and there's a lot of dysfunction and there's a lot of conflict, it may just not be the right relationship and you just need to cut it off. Like you're just, both of you need to get healthy on your own 
and then together, you know, if you're not healthy on your own, you can't have a healthy marriage. So it's not, you're not going to come together and magically everything's going to be healthy. And so get yourself healthy, let them get themselves healthy, and let trust God if that's supposed to be a relationship together. But I just think if we, we don't, if we don't have good examples, we just tend to think that really dysfunctional dating relationships are okay and should move to marriage. And that's just a disaster waiting to happen. And so just something to keep in mind. That's hard. Um, can I just add something really fast and it'll be quick? But you don't want to be a stuffer either, where you just stuff everything down and you pretend it's not there. Because whether you're dating or in a, in a marriage uh, relationship, you stuff it down and then it's one brick on the wall. And then there's another brick on the wall. And before you know it, you're the person you're dating or the person you're married to can do the littlest thing like not clean the dishes properly and you're screaming and yelling at them. And it didn't have anything to really do with that as much as all the things you wanted to do as a stuffer. But I also know that for Joe and I, just because I'm the personality that you're not going to bully me around, um, Joe learned quickly that he had to reason, to reason with me together. And we had to reason together. And, and he never pulled rank on me. And I don't think, I think there's a, a wrong, and you all are all pastors, so I'm coming from a lay person. I think it's wrong for husbands to think that they, it's my word, you're going to do what I say. I think that's wrong. Y'all forgive me if I'm not right. But it doesn't work out. <laughs> God brings us to uh, the same card, you know, and I think that's important. Yeah. That's, that's good. So I, I, I've, I've got to, we got to, we got to dig into this a little bit more because I think that's a really good point. You said he doesn't, he doesn't pull rank on you. So I, I let's, let's just go in there. We, we see the scriptures in the Bible like, wives submit to your husbands. And that is the statement that people are like, I don't like that. It makes me feel uncomfortable. What does that look like? Um, and, and so even saying like, okay. He doesn't pull rank on you. Like that's that's a very that's a very toxic thought because many people look at that as that's either old school or how do we use that? And we've seen it used in, in, in so many ways with all the hierarchy stuff we're talking about, the oppressive thing, what was God's original intent for marriage, all those things that come into um, the picture. So let's let's talk just briefly around that. And I, and I think Lisa Tark, because you guys are, are, are around Pastor Stovall and all this interdependence and understanding, like we all have a part to play and, and all those things, like. Can you unpack a little bit about what that, that that mutual submission when you understand God's like God's way of doing things in the context of the kingdom and interdependence, how it allows you to kind of be submitted, but it doesn't mean that you're subservient. So can you talk to that a little bit? That's really good. Okay. Um, wow, that's a really good one. Interdependence. That's it. That's a really that's a really big thing. We are. I feel like the, the it's a mutual submission. It's I'm I'm choosing to. I don't have to like you know I, on my own. I'm, I'm equal. We're equal. We're all equal. This is something Pastor Stovall has been teaching a lot about. How we're all equal, regardless of our gender, regardless of our economic background, regardless of the color of our skin. We are equal. God made us all in His image, and so. When we choose to come under any kind of form of submission, that could be in an employer-employee relationship, that could be a, just any kind of thing, we are humbling ourselves and we are 
serving by saying we are making a choice to serve you and come under your authority in this in this position, whatever that might be. Yeah. But it's not because you're more powerful or you're better or you're more important or you know best or because you can pull rank on on me or whatever that might look like. But it's in a it's a it's a, it's a it's a way of humbling yourself to serve the other person, but it's not done out of power or misuse of authority or um, unhealthy control, which is, I think, what I, what I hear you saying. And so it's a, it's a mutual submission of being able to serve one another and that we need one another. Hey, may I add to it? So um, uh, this comes from a Josh McDowell teaching way. If you know what Josh McDowell is, uh, he taught, he said it, this whole thing, that's a very important part, and there's always hierarchy, and I, and I have a boss at work, and I have to be careful with my boss treats me with respect, and that gets my opinion, and we, so imagine a war, and you've got all these five-star generals sitting around the table with the president, and this one thinks you should do this, you know, this one thinks you should drop bombs, this one thinks you should send the, the fleet, and all of that, and they're all disagreeing, but the goal is the same, they're trying to win the war. And the president will make that decision on which way we go. And uh, he, he expressed it like, you may be a five-star general and the person next to you a four-star general, but at that level, they're talking and discussing about how to win the war. Yeah. And so if you keep that context of how to win the war on these things, right. then you're going to find, well, what does God think? What would be the best course of action you should pray in? What are you going to find? 99 times out of 100, is God going to bring you into alignment? And if there is, then the hierarchy plays. And I hope that makes sense, but it, it, we always picture this subservient, like a sergeant over, a drill sergeant over a you know, new recruit yeah. at boot camp. You know, it's not like that. Okay, yeah. does that make sense? Perfect sense. So I, I think one of the things that we can kind of like walk away with this is, with all of this, is understanding like, are we competing or are we completing? And, and I think a lot of times when it comes to whether we, what's the discussion of mutual submission, interdependence, when it comes to conflict, any of these things, a lot of times it can feel like a competition. So like the, the, the dialogue of saying, like, hey, we're on the same team. Like, let's not forget we're on the same team. We're trying to win the war. We may have different strategies, but we're trying to move this thing forward. Like, let's make sure that we're not competing against one another, that we're actually completing one another and trying to move this thing forward, which means, and this is something that, that I had to learn, um, because I think we've all been there where, you're thinking to yourself, like, wow, if she, if she could see things the way that I see them, then we would have more peace. Or if he could see things the way that I see them, then we would have more peace. But what that does is that actually robs us from being able to complete one another because if we both have the same perspective, how we're going to see yes. blind spots. Yes. But if we actually can learn to recognize that her, her strengths yes. may be a thing that's weak for me, and then my strengths may be a thing that's weak for her, and we can actually use them together, then we are actually completing instead of competing against the things that we are finding differences in. So that was a big thing um, for us that I think that God really had to help me through through all the years. Like, hey, like we're not a competition. We're we're called to complete, not not to compete. So so let's let's you know we're we're going to wrap up in, in, in just a moment. So I want to hear from from Nate and Jen. We're gonna I want to jump into this and, and then we're going to have one final question at the end. But but let's let's talk about this. So we have we have dating and, and it was mentioned like we have to have healthy boundaries and, and toxicity and, and things like that. So we we know what the, the Bible says in regards to the boundaries, not putting yourself in, in, in areas of your weakness and expecting God's strength. So living a life of purity before marriage, all those things and, and boundaries. But let's let's talk about it. So of course we're going to save the the, the, the question for let's put everybody came to talk about how important is intimacy in your marriage? Let's 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 go there. Hey, I'm looking at you. <laughs> 
Let me ask you, Nate. Let's, let's talk. Let's go, Nate. So, I guess by the way you're framing the question, you're talking about physical intimacy, period, or are you talking about just like intimacy as a whole? Let the Lord lead you. Okay. <laughs> I'm taking this one. No, I. Obviously, and this when we looked, saw the question on the email, we were like, dang it, this is probably the one he's going to ask him to talk about first. <laughs> ask him to talk about first. Um, it's definitely important, but it's it's all about like like I kind of alluded to earlier, like really knowing knowing her. You know what I mean? And like knowing who she is and, and knowing the way how like to love her um, and, and what she. Like her languages, how to speak that, you know what I mean? I don't know, I wasn't ready for this one. I was still thinking about conflict. <laughs> I think for me too, intimacy is like also being together and spending time with each other. But I think that's also like what we share with each other, like what we speak to each other. I think intimacy is sharing things with just him. Um, whether it's my thoughts or my feelings, like yes, it's good to share things with other people as well, but not everyone has access to your life. Yes. Um, you get to choose if that yeah. most access. And you have friends there, we have friends that we talk to and share things with, but for me, intimacy is also sharing things with just him. Um, and that's with words. Yeah. Let's hear from the best. What do you guys think? <laughs> just 
communicate and it's beyond just physical but it's that bond that God put between both of us that nobody could really break you know once we are in his will and uh, that that intimacy what we do we defend it we, we fight for it we, we try to let not let the busyness of work sometimes we travel some good kids and things creep in and you're tired and there's just life creeps in but I would say the sooner you can build in things to defend and, and fight for that time together fight for that time to be vulnerable fight for that time to say you know what I mean, you know just tell me how your day went and, and I want to hear and I can put my phone aside turn my phone physically off I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm aware too, because I might have a question about budgets. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but, but put your phone aside and just somehow spend time with her and, and just hear, even though I'm in, I'm, I'm in my nothing box in my mind, but I'm fighting to just pay attention to her. All that is, is intimacy and it's worth fighting for. It's, it's something that um, it, it strengthens us. So when the, when the when life comes in and, and, and stuff happens, because we have that intimacy bond strong, you know, she will intuitively sense what's going on with me and vice versa. We, we will be able to move forward when storms come in, when storms are happening around us. So intimacy is it, absolutely crucial. And guys, don't think, for the men, don't think it's just physical. It's not physical. It's, it's way beyond that. And to, to know what it is, go through scriptures. Watch how Jesus interacted with, with people. Watch how he interacted with his disciples. You know, look at the scriptures and, and see how he teaches us how to interact with our spouse or wives. And uh, just learn and fight for it. Defend it. Don't just think, oh, box of chocolates and some roses once in a while in the internet. No, man. Trust me, I don't do that. I that price. I keep that price, you know. But what I would say after, after so many years of marriage, 15 years, man, it's, it's now, it's, you know, I talked about the seasons before. Whenever we come through different seasons, it's like, okay, we need to make sure we spend time together. We need to make sure we have more than date nights. Okay, three-day weekend coming up, Man, let's find some babysitters. Let's just go get away. Let's spend some time together. You know what I'm saying? It's something that we have to constantly fight for, defend, and uh, move together. You know, so that's it. Intimacy is crucial, man. So. Good. Okay. So, so I think one of the things that to kind of help us have a a glimpse of how of how it is, and I think uh, to you really hit on it when you said like looking at scripture and seeing how. How like Jesus interacted with his disciples and people is a is a model for it. So when we when we look at marriage, like you know, Ephesians talks about how like all like the whole idea of marriage is really meant to like be the best example that we can have of what it's like for Christ in the church. Yeah. Yeah. So when you kind of begin to look at the whole idea of marriage, that's God's way of saying like, okay, this is this is the best way for you guys to even grab a hold of this relationship between between Christ and his people. So when you think about like the, the word worship, it means to kiss. That is to be intimate with God. It means to, to be drawn close to God, where it's like intimacy. Into me, see. See, intimate. Yeah. This is what God is ultimately inviting us to do every Sunday when we worship or at home when we use the word. So I, I, I've learned to think of intimacy through the lens of it's not just a, it's just not a physical thing, but it's an, it's an opportunity, it's an invitation 
to draw in close. And so in the same way that my prayer life is an expression of, of intimacy, that when I worship, that's an expression of intimacy with God, that when I read the word, that's an expression of my intimacy with God, it fleshes itself out in the same way with my spouse. Like it's, it's my, my communication with her, just intimacy um, with her, that whenever we have an opportunity to be drawn close to each other and see into each other. So it's so much bigger than just the physical aspect of it, but look through the scripture and seeing that Worship means to be intimate. It means to draw close to God. So look at it in a way that it keeps it pure. Yeah. Because unfortunately, it has been um, corrupted. Yeah. It's been corrupted by the enemy. And, and I think a lot of times we, we, we allow we allow the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil to kind of define and skew what intimacy is supposed to be. But we have to get back to what God's original intent was for it. It's, it's this beautiful thing that God has provided for us, but we have to have the proper filter for it. Looking at it through the proper lens. So, so this is just some encouragement for those of us who are married, but then even so, for those of us who are, are single, maybe there's been a, a, a corrupted version of it. I, I want to encourage you guys in here right now, like, the, the enemy does not have the reproductive ability to create anything, but he can corrupt what God has created. So we have to make sure that we allow God's grace to redefine our perspective when it comes to intimacy, because if not, we can bring a broken perspective into a union that God has blessed, and we can carry baggage that he never intended for us to carry. I want to I ask this final question, um, and, and I want to hear from everybody on this one, because I think this is one that can kind of speak to a lot of the singles that are in the room, um, and it also could be encouragement for us. Um, what, if there's one thing that you could tell the single version of yourself, what would it be right now? I would say um, when when I first met Lisa, I was in the military, and again, I didn't have a dad. I didn't have. I didn't grow up with a dad. I grew up with my mom and my grandparents, and so I didn't have a good model or a good voice speaking into me. Um, and so when I met Lisa, I was just blown away and I couldn't believe that I found this girl that that was so perfect that I felt like, man, she could have come like five years later, you know, I didn't want to find perfect girl right now, I didn't want to settle down right now, I wasn't ready for that. And, um, and so I was so caught up in trying to to, to please her, to, to, you know, in the dating stages, you, you just want to be best, you want to put your best foot forward. And so what I did was just trying to be everything she wanted me to be. And I didn't, I, I kind of put away or neglected a little bit of who I really was and some of my flaws and some of my background. And so it took a long time. I mean, that's why we kind of dated for five years. You know, it took a while to, to, to reveal all this stuff. So I would say, if I can go back and, and tell myself, talk to myself, I would say, you know what, Tariq, show up who you really are. You know, be yourself. Um, not in an abrasive way or, oh, this is me, take or leave me, but you know what? <laughs> so, you know, um, it's, it's just. It's just being, being myself in a way where she would, uh, she could receive me, she could, re she could understand, she could see me for my flaws, she could see, I had kept a lot of those things covered up, and a lot of things came out, you know, while we were married and stuff, and we kind of learned to deal with them. But I would think that 
if I can go back, I'll say, you know, Tarek, be yourself, you know, be honest, be open. Tell her, you know what, you really don't like that. That's not country music. She's from Colorado, bull riding, family, ranch, and all that stuff. I'm from the Caribbean, you know. She talked about country music and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I can stand country music. <laughs> That's what I would go back and tell myself is, you know what, be yourself, uh, uh, bring, bring all of you to the relationship, bring, bring all of you to the relationship, God will work it all up, he will, you know, uh, that's what I would say to myself. Yeah. Um, I, I would dig into values a lot more, like I would dig into, what do you, what do you, anticipate your future looking like. And I know you sometimes you can talk about kids, yes. yeah. but like yeah. digging in just a lot more so kind of to what you said of like um, where, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Where do you say, and not in a goal way, but like what does your ideal family look like? How do they interact in the house? Like what, yeah. are, you, like, what are you afraid of? Like what are the things, I don't know, I just feel like it would be, it's, it's like that, it, it goes back to intimacy about just being fully known. You kind of depend on that a little bit of just like are we really on the same, do we really, we're very attracted to each other, but are we really on the same path of what we want for our futures? Yeah. Can we really be honest about that? Yeah. And just yeah. digging into that a lot more to save a lot of pain, but also to make sure you're choosing the right person. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the teachings I had about 10 years ago was a little changing for me that I wish I would have known when I first got married, or even really dealing with a lot of people. Um, it was about how God made Adam, and evidently Adam, and here I am, I'm not a preacher, and I, I may get this wrong, so tell me, but uh, you know, he took a rib out of Adam and he made woman. And the teacher that I was listening to goes, did you ever think that you would look at your husband or maybe your boyfriend and you just think, are you clueless? You know, do you not get it? She said, it's because you had that other rib. <laughs> and you bring that part to him. And that really changed my thinking because I thought, if that's such a good way to think that when I think Joe is just clueless on what I'm talking about, I think, well, and you do that to me too. But um, <laughs> it goes vice versa. Uh, but, you know, to say, okay, you know, it's because I have that missing rib of his that I can bring to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? I wish I'd known that again, because when we were first married, don't ask me why tomato soup was an issue in our life. But at that time, <laughs> I made tomato soup and he liked it with milk. I did it with water. Yes. And I didn't mix the soup up. And God gave me this example. You reminded me the other day. I didn't mix the milk with the tomato soup as well as he liked. I mean, he was nice. He was being nice. And he just kind of said, you know, the next time if you don't mind, would you mix it more? And I just looked at him, I'm, and at that time, I might have cussed. Yeah. 
as a background you learn to blend them together and I now make perfect tomato soup <laughs>
who I could model my relationship after because I didn't have it growing up. And so instead of taking the long route in our relationship, we learned the hard way of how to do things instead of having someone who's experienced all of this stuff that can, can help us out. And so um, get connected to someone who has lived life that is much older than you, that has wisdom, biblical wisdom, not just natural wisdom, but biblical wisdom, because you're gonna go through some things that the enemy is gonna to try to separate for you and your spouse, and so, or you and your relationship, and so I would, I would suggest that. And now I'll, I'll close with this. I would tell my single self, if someone shows you that they are crazy, believe them. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just, just believe them. Like, if you're seeing signs of it, believe them. Like, no, uh, no I, I believe that you're showing me you're crazy, so I believe you, and I'm going to move like, Okay, we're going to wrap up. Okay. <laughs> no, not, not you. This was, this is way pre It would have saved me a lot of drama. Did you guys enjoy this? I hope it's a good You guys enjoyed this. We're going to continue to do this. I'm so excited. Can you give it up for our panel? Thank you guys And this, this was recorded, correct? This was recorded. So this will end up on our podcast, and we'll have like a whole equip section on our on our on our podcast now that's gonna be exclusively for all of our equip classes that you guys can go back and send to your friends and listen to it later. Um, so this is gonna be our, our new natural rhythm. So I'm, I'm so grateful for all of you guys. But what I want to do is I want to ask if, if you guys can, can pray a blessing over us. We got singles in the room, we got engaged, we got dated, we got marriage in the room, but if you guys could just use that elderly blessing on all of us, I think that'd be a great way for us to wrap up. God, I thank you for this time. This evening together, Lord, and panel members, they're awesome, oh God. I thank you, God, this you, but uh, that you planted in each person here, God. In, in Jesus' name, I declare that every person, man, woman, here, God, that you planted greatness in this, and that, Lord, you have the perfect spouse and the perfect life. I thank you, God, that uh, your goal is always to make us like you. So maybe that takes a little bit longer than a lifetime, or maybe God, I just decree and declare a blessing over these people who are there in the right relationship. And that whoever they're married before, that you transform the two of them into the image of Christ. The glory, glory. And this work is done by the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, not by self-will. I pray, Lord, for each person here, Lord, that they seek you with all the heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when they cry out, change me, that they are changed. I thank you, God, for the power of your word. And the Holy Spirit, Lord, heaven to them, oh God. I thank you for the, you know, the depth, breath, width, and, and height of your love toward them, oh God, that you love them, that you don't want to harm them. I also pray, Lord, you grant them great wisdom, Lord, about the devastating plan to the enemy that wants to rob them of the gifts that you're trying to give. So God, I ask that you, every person here, Lord, look to you and receive the gifts that you have for them. So God, I thank you, Lord, for you said to bless them along cross for his life, oh God. That they know you, they know him who was from the beginning. Thank you for this time when we share your love and your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.